guys, I'm so glad you're here. This is the final lesson in our series about creating vision for your life. Step one was stop beating yourself up. Step two was take a personal inventory. Step three was be still and listen to the Lord. Step four, declare truth over your life. And now step five, this is the part that everyone wants to get to how to make five goals and take action. But really what I've learned after 27 years of goal setting is that to jump right to this is useless without going through the first four steps. Most of us want to dive right into setting goals for the new year. And that's how we end up with New Year's resolutions lists that vanish into thin air by the end of February because we don't go through the necessary foundation of securing ourselves in the Lord before we even make our spirit-led goals. So a warm-up question for you today is, do you set goals or resolutions every year? Will you just put yes or no in the comment box? And also tell me, do you usually reach them? Do you set them and do you usually reach them? Abigail says, no, she doesn't set goals because she never accomplishes them, LOL. Well, let's reconsider that. Let's reconsider our goal setting process today to see what we can do here. Take a look at the process that I've been using because there are plenty of times when I didn't meet one or two of my goals. But the thing is, I don't know that it's so much about meeting the goals as it is setting them and creating a direction for yourself. Okay. At the end of this training, you will be able to set meaningful goals and take action to reach them. You will, right now you don't have to do this with me because it's going to take some time, but I'm going to give you some thoughts that you can do on your own later. Um, maybe you even want to rewatch this video. Uh, closer to the end of the year when you're ready to really think about your goals. But if you're like me, I'm thinking about my goals now. I've already set aside a day. My my day of, of personally setting goals is going to be the first week of December because I have to get ready for teaching my lessons about setting goals at my workshop on January 8th. So I, I'm, I'm not going to be coming without having already set mine for the year. So my Pre-work is going to be December 3rd. So this is the, what I do, and I'll give you this heads up. You'll need, of course, paper and pen. So you're going to set a timer for 10 minutes when you get ready to do this, and you're going to write down all the things you want to do, all of them. I remember one year, one year I wrote down on my personal goal-setting day, I think I was in college. I was definitely in college when I did this. And I just wrote down everything I want to do or have. One of the things I wanted was a leather jacket. And then I never thought about it again. The following year, I took out that list that I had actually not looked at again throughout the year. And on the list was leather jacket. And I thought, what? I have one. I actually got a leather jacket this year. And I didn't even remember that I had put it on the list. So even if you don't return to your list of intentions, desires, or goals, this, this is your mega list. This is everything you want to do. This is not honing it down to your specific goal just yet. 
it's important to write it down because it is setting your heart and mind on a course. You'll, I'm sure, maybe getting a leather jacket was not the most important thing that I could have done in 1994, <laughs> but it got done. I'm thinking because I intended to do it and wrote it down. There's power in writing things down. So you're going to divide the goals that you have into different categories. Once you have your 10 minutes of all your goals, you divide them into home, health, finance, relationship, and skill. Those are the five areas that make life manageable, that make life complete. Over all of them, of course, is your spiritual life. But the health of your spirit is, is seen, it's revealed in your home. The health of your spirit is revealed in your body, in your health. The health of your spirit is revealed in your finances. The health of your spirit and your heart is revealed in your relationships, and it's revealed in your skill. You've, we've all seen people who were very spiritual, people who knew the Lord, had a close walk with the Lord, and there were times when if you sat down next to them while they were eating, you realized that something wasn't really quite right, that they weren't content or satisfied. There was something about the amount of food that they were consuming well beyond satisfying their hunger. And you realize there's there's still a, um, a grasping in them. That is because the health of their spirit is revealed in their body. What about times in my life when I have been off financially, really off, um, miss, not totally misspending, um, spending too much in areas that don't matter, not enough in the areas that, that do matter. There's the health, my personal health was revealing itself in, in my finances. So these five areas are simply symptoms. And the real place to work is to let God satisfy and heal us in our hearts. So it doesn't mean anything's wrong when our home health finance relationship and skill reveal something about our hearts. It just means, oh, I got to slow down here. I got to slow, something's off here. I got to slow down and ask the Lord to bring order into the chaos inside. Proverbs 29, 8. I liked it here in the King James Version. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So here's the thing. None of us like law. I mean, we're just, we're, we like other people to keep the law. We don't like ourselves to keep the law. We want other people to obey the rules of the road. Think about when you're driving. You want everyone to obey the rules of the road. But then if you have a reason you need to go a little bit over the speed limit, if you have a reason that you need to roll on through a, a four-way stop, then it's okay for you. But if you saw someone else doing it, we would feel, um, oh, now they should be behaving a different way on the road. That is because we as humans tend to resist obedience. We just tend to resist obedience. But I'm discovering that the obedience is the part of keeping goals or New Year's resolutions. It's the obedience part that we don't like. Here's the thing. If you have a vision for where you're going, you will have laws to obey. You will have discipline. You will have order. You will have a road, a path. And it's once you're on that road that you forget about the vision. And by you, I mean me. 
we forget about the vision and we say, wait a second, I don't want to do that today. I don't want to do this thing that I, that I intended to do. I want to, I was going to save this much money this month. Instead, I'm going to spend it over here. And we say, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to skip that fast food today. And we resist the law, even when the law is something that we've set for ourselves, because we know obeying our own intention is going to get us somewhere that we are actually wanting to go. Proverbs 29, 18 in the New Living Translation says, when people do not accept, let's read that again in the KJV so you can see where, where it immediately changes. There, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And then in the NLT, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Because here's what we know. In the middle of the moment when we are faced with a second piece of pie, then we say, forget the rules. Forget the law. Forget my intentions. Forget my the direction that I set for myself when I said... I wanted these jeans to fit by the end of the year. Forget it all. And then we rebel against the intentions that we've set for ourselves. And guess what? When it comes to the end of the year and the jeans don't fit, we're not happy. But here it says, whoever obeys the law or whoever obeys their intentions, whoever obeys self-discipline, at the end of the year, you are happier because... You chose, hey, I did what I knew was best for me, even when it didn't feel like it was best for me in the moment. The th one of the key words I'm seeing in this verse is divine guidance. So when the Lord gives us divine guidance, it's for our good. And when we give ourselves guidance by his divine hand for our year, if we set our intentions for the year, we say, I think this is what God wants me to pursue then we pursue it and we're happier because of it, because he knows that it's good for us. My vulnerability in front of you is that for one of the things that has been on my list every year since I was about 19, I mean, if we, I have all of my, did you know this, that I have all of my New Year's resolutions, all of them from the time I was 19. I have all of them in bratted folders because I set these goals with my family for 24, for 27 years, we set aside a day to write goals in key areas. And one of mine, I've, I have felt that I need to speak Spanish. But guess what? I don't feel like sitting down and learning it. I don't feel, I, I, I so many times I will say, oh, I'm going to start going to this Bible study that is only in Spanish. And I sit there and it's so uncomfortable to try to speak afterwards when everyone's fellowshipping and mingling. It's so uncomfortable. I say, after two or three times every year, I say, forget it. Forget it. It's too uncomfortable. It's too uncomfortable to memorize these vocabulary words. It's too uncomfortable to put myself in, to only, to only listen to Spanish radio while I drive, to only watch Spanish TV at least once a day. So I'm just going to sit here for an hour a day and watch Spanish TV and, and absorb it that way. I, I all of that, I say, forget the rules. It doesn't feel good right now.
And then we get to another, the end of another year when it's time to review my list of things that I know is under divine guidance. God is leading me to speak Spanish one day. He wants that for me. He's, every time I pray, every year, he's like, put this one back on the list, Nika. I'm like, oh, yay, I'm going to do it this year. And then by February, I, I, the discomfort is too much for me and I don't overcome it. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Everything you dream about is on the other side of discomfort. That's what this verse is saying. Because it's, it's uncomfortable to obey the laws that we set for ourselves and under divine guidance. And this is specifically, I don't want to take it out of context. This is specifically talking about God's laws in the Bible. But it's applicable to us with regard to self-discipline. It's uncomfortable to keep the law. And yet, that is the very thing that is going to give us what we want most. Everything you dream about, every desire you have is on the other side of discomfort. Let's embrace the discomfort this year. In 2021, let's embrace the discomfort of self-discipline and say, hey, I'm going to stick with what I said I was going to do. So who loves obedience? <laughs> As I wrote this down, I thought, Bueller, anyone? Anyone who loves obedience, most of us will say we love the idea of obedience. We love children obeying us. We love our students obeying us, but we don't want to obey even ourselves. Why would anyone else obey us when we don't obey us? But although we don't love obedience, we love clear directions. In order for the directions to be effective, we must program them first and then obey them on the way. So GPS is only helpful if we program it first. So with so many people saying, I don't make goals, I don't make New Year's resolutions, that's like saying, hey, you know what? I like to just free freewheel it. I like to get out there on the road and have no idea where I'm gonna end up. I, I, I like to operate without GPS. Well, if you operate without GPS, who knows where you're going to end up? Nobody even knows. You program where you're going before you begin your trip. It's necessary that we begin the new year 2021 with an intended destination. Program it in before you begin. And then along the way, you obey it. Now, here's the thing. I can't wait to tell you. There is a time and a place to deviate, just like when you're driving on the road. We're not automatons. Once you are a skilled driver, you know there are some times when you can deviate from the plan, but the whole idea is not to deviate from the destination, just the plan how to get there. You will arrive somewhere. In December of 2021, you're going to arrive somewhere. Goal setting is simply choosing your destination ahead of time. The obstacle in your way, by the way, is you. And by you, I mean me. The obstacle in our way is us. It is not something outside of your control. Last night, my brother was talking to, uh, we were riding in the car with his daughters, my nieces, and he was talking to them about, uh, oh, you know, you need to be aware when you're being, um, when you're following an external locus of control. You need to follow an internal locus of control. And I was like, I love that about my brother, that he's talking to a 14-year-old and 13-year-old with full-on collegiate vocabulary. And 
we teased about it. We said, well, I like to listen to my internal locust of control. He was like, no, it's not a bug. Your internal locus of control. You decide what, who is at fault, who is to blame for what happens in your life. If you have finally accept that it's you, then you will make different decisions. It empowers you to realize I control many things about my life. It feels like in 2020 that so many things are out of our control, but we're not putting our focus on an external locus of control. That means saying, I just couldn't do anything this year because of 2020. I, well, actually, you could have done a lot. I know some friends who have done a lot of things in 2020. I know a whole group of women that took a blank sheet of paper to a 25,000 word or more manuscript during 2020, just simply because they decided to. They said, my external locus of control is not, I mean, there, there is no external locus of control. It's not about what 2020 does to me. It's what I choose to do. And it's within me. And God is within me that is guiding me to make good decisions. And these women chose to make a ton of progress on their manuscript to publish their books. Uh, and that's just one example of people who are saying, it's not, I'm not going to worry about what's happening on the outside. Here's the deal. I'm going to take responsibility for what I accomplish, no matter what happens or gets in the way. Committing to a goal will introduce you to yourself. Because the obstacle in the way is you, then committing to a goal will introduce you to yourself. Because who you're going to meet when you are on the road of self-discipline, who you're going to meet, who you're going to run smack dab in is you. You're going to run smack dab into yourself because it's yourself who's going to say, oh, don't go this way. Don't do this today. Don't stay on the road. Don't go this way. And you have to learn how to tell yourself, step out of my way. I'm staying on the intended road for today. Because here's the thing, this is what people say. They say committing to a goal is exhausting, but hiding is also exhausting. And here's what I mean by that. Have you ever had somebody looking for you? Have you ever tried not to be found? If you, if you knew that a certain someone was in the same party as you and you didn't want to see them and you're kind of hiding from them, or if you have a more serious situation where you're actually trying to evade someone if they're stalking you. That happens in real life, we know. Hiding is exhausting because you can never let your guard down. You always have to be aware of your surroundings. You always have to be aware of what's going on. The thing is, when you do not, if committing to a goal introduces you to yourself, then not committing to a goal is hiding from yourself. I'm convinced that a lot of people who don't want to commit to a goal don't want to do it because they know they're going to run smack dab into this, themselves along the way and they don't want to look themselves eye to eye. But you can't get to a goal without looking at yourself eye to eye. And so your other choice is if you don't want to look at yourself in the eye, if you don't want to run smack dab into yourself as you commit to a goal, your other choice is to hide. And you can do that. God gave you free will. You can hide if you want. 
I'm just letting you know ahead of time, hiding is just as exhausting. And those of us who have who are no longer setting goals, who are no longer have feeling a hope or a vision for where God is taking them, those people, me included, in some years, we know it is exhausting to hide. One way or the other, you can choose to be good tired or bad tired. And there's a difference. You know how those days where you're like, oh, I'm good tired. You just have had a, a wonderful busy, exhausting, fabulous day, and you're good tired. And there's some days when you're just bad tired because it was so um, difficult to navigate. Well, that's the two different kinds of tireds I'm talking about here. You can commit to a goal, intentionally meet yourself along the way and say, hey, there you are. Now I know what you where, where in the process you stand in my way. You say that to yourself. Now, there you are. I see which month you come into play. I'm learning more about you. This is what you get to say to yourself. I'm learning more about you because I see which month you come into play. I see which situations you start talking to me loudest. I see, I see where you get in my way, self. And I'm getting to know you better. And the thing with knowing yourself better is that's when you have self-discipline. It's when you know yourself well enough to be able to predict what you're going to do and how to overcome it. Instead, you hide from yourself and you never know how to overcome your, your own tendencies. Romans 7, 15 through 20 in the message says, Paul says, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another. Doing the things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more for if I know the law but still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I really don't do it. And I decide not to do bad, but I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. Okay, something that is wrong deep within you is just our flesh. It's just our flesh. So here's the thing. Thinking that you're going to be able to live at any point in your life where the flesh is not going to bother you anymore is completely false. For the rest of your life, your flesh is going to tempt you to do something different than the spirit. So the war that Paul is experiencing here is the spirit of God within him is saying, go this way. And his flesh is saying, no, go that way. He was one of the first people to experience the indwelling Holy Spirit. Do you think, do you realize that this is the journal of a man who was one of the very first people on earth to experience the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in, in Acts. So he didn't even know how to explain what he was feeling, but what he was feeling was the wrestling of flesh and spirit. 
And he didn't know, okay, so this is something that, it, this is what it means to be a Christian, is to die to myself every day, to die to my flesh every day. So he was meeting himself along. He met Jesus along the road to Damascus, and he met himself every other day of his life on the road to Damascus. He met himself, himself every other day, and every other day he had to die to himself and say, no. From here on, I do what the Spirit says in the moment. And some days it's easier than others. But to fantasize that there will be a day, there are some people in the world, we tell ourselves, there are some people who just have it all. They just meet all their goals. No, that's not true. God has given everyone the same task, and that is to take up their cross and follow him. It's that taking up the cross part where I'm like, I'll follow you. But do I have to carry this cross? Because that's the death part. If you want to come out of a tomb, a completely resurrected person, you got to go into the and die to yourself first. So here's a little something that I used to tell my students in my class. I, I learned this from um, an English teacher of teachers who said, you got to teach kids that good readers reread. And I was like, well, everybody, what, everybody knows that. Everybody knows you reread. Lo and behold, most kids do not know. What? I didn't know this. This is what happens. They'd be reading a book. And then, you know, this happens to everybody. You're, you get three pages in, you're like, whoa. I, I was turning the pages on autopilot. Like, I'm pretty sure my eyes were even moving down the page. <laughs> but I was just turning those pages. I have no idea what just happened in this story. Or I have no idea what I just read. Everyone experiences this. But most kids, and by kids, I do mean high schoolers, all the way up to high schoolers. I had people that would say, okay, well, they just keep on going. They have no idea what they just read, but they just keep, they thought, Hmm, I don't know what I just read, but I'm gonna figure it out. They just kept on going. And you know, by the end of the by the end of the passage, they're like, What? I had to say, I, some of y'all y'all may not know this, so I'm just gonna tell you out loud. Good readers reread. So you're looking at this reader over here that's an excellent reader. And you're thinking that she never rereads. She reads all day long. You see her with a book in her hand all the time. And you're like, she's a, re she's a good reader. But she never rereads. No, even she has moments where she turns the pages not knowing what she just read. The difference is she knows, oh, I don't know what I just read. So I'm going to turn back three, pe three pages and reread. This morning I was watching an instructional video and I had to rewind the same part three or four times. It was like, what? I'm spacing out. I keep rewinding and saying, okay, focus. And then the same exact 20 second window, I would zone out. I missed it again. What is this person talking about? I have to rewind. Good readers reread. I had to teach my students that. Okay, so I'm going to teach you this because some of you don't feel like you're good goal setters. And I am one. I'm a good goal setter. So I'll tell you what good goal setters do. Good goal setters reroute. So you know when you're on, 
your GPS and it's like rerouting, rerouting. Or my my iPhone, which I usually use, it just suddenly gets so confused and I see the lines, but it's rerouting. And it says, proceed to the root. <laughs> proceed to the root. And he's redirecting for me. Okay, good goal setters know how to do that. Good goal setters are GPS. We will set an intention, program it in, and then we say, this is the way, this is the path we're going because this is the destination that I want by the end of the year. And then here's what happens. So somebody who's not a successful goal setter hasn't learned yet that rerouting is possible. They think, I'm only going on this path, and this path is I'm going to go to the gym six days a week. And then when they don't go to the gym six days a week, they're like, well, I failed. I, I didn't stick with my path. But a goal, good goal setter goes, okay, rerouting, rerouting, proceed to the route. <laughs> um, six days a week going to the gym wasn't really the path that was going to work then. Good goal setters reroute. And they figure out what is the path that's going to, what is going to still take me to the destination? Because the destination is still available. So what is the path? And I reroute. You need to remember that you were created in the image of God. I say this in just about every lesson. That means if you were created in the image of God, you are a creator, not only a consumer. So plenty of these days, the word consumer is kind of like has a negative connotation. And I don't necessarily think that is necessary. We have to consume. God made us consumers. We need fuel. We consume all kinds of things because we're renewable beings. Even our hair ha has an end of day and it's renewed, you know. So end of day, our hair has an end of day. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Sometimes, sometimes when you're teaching life, you just, things fly out of your mouth that you're like, I'm not exactly sure what I was trying to say there, but I'm sure I did not mean <laughs> that your hair has an end of day. <laughs> anyway, so we consume food, we consume water, Consuming is not bad. I'm talking about when it comes to goals, you are a creator, not necessarily a consumer. There's a partnership that happens between creating and consuming. Let me show you what I mean. Okay, so when you cre you create your list of all the things that you're, you want to do, and then you've organized them into five areas, home, health, finance, relationship, and skill, then you're going to list the actions that you will have to take to reach those five goals, I left out a word there. List the actions you will have to take to reach those five goals. So you know what it takes. If, if you're intending to buy a house, well, you know you're going to have to save a down payment. So you list that action that you're going to have to save this, month per, uh, this amount per month in order to have the down payment necessary for this house or... Whatever your goal is, you list out, okay, so this is a prerequisite to having that goal. This is what I have to do. If I'm going to learn Spanish, I have to list out all the things I'm going to be willing to participate in. I'm, gonna, I'm going to either need to volunteer to go to different groups where people are not primarily speaking English and just put myself 
out there and be patient to learn and try and speak. I've got to also possibly think about hiring a tutor, possibly think about. So I'm going to list out all the things that I need if my goal is to speak Spanish. Now, as you look at those things you have to do, okay, as you look at those things you have to do, as you make the list, there's a difference between massive action and passive action. So here's the thing. Reading a textbook is on my list of things that I'm going to need to do to speak Spanish. Memorizing vocabulary words on note cards, that's on the list of things that I need to do to learn Spanish, to speak Spanish. But reading a textbook is not speaking Spanish, is it? It's one of the necessary steps, but it falls into the category of passive action not massive action. Because guess who's already read plenty of textbooks? This girl. I've read plenty of textbooks. I've enrolled in, in junior college classes. I've done all of that. All of that was passive action. The thing that is massive action is going to the group and sticking with it. Going to the group where I can't understand what people are saying and when I struggle to say what I want to say, that is the massive action. That's going to have the biggest effect. Researching about Spanish, signing up for another program like Rosetta Stone, and just speaking in the, the privacy of my own home, that is passive action because I'm not really exercising the skill until I submit to the discomfort of going to the groups. The Bible studies, the church service that is in Spanish, whatever. The, um, there's a women's business group at my church, too, that's entirely in Spanish. I'm like, why? Why don't I go? That's where the massive action takes place. So with you and um, with relationships, okay, um, staying on social media to meet people is passive action. Actually taking the time to make a phone call, actually taking the time to set up the, the lunch date, those things are massive action. That's closer to the actual thing that you want. Do you see what I'm saying? Researching which 401k is right for you in the area of finances, that's, that's passive action. Actually making the appointment with the financial advisor signing the documents to get the, the savings started, that's massive action. So please remember that you can't stay in the finding out mode, researching, finding out, discovering mode. That's the passive action that really doesn't result in your goal being met. And we do that. We think, I need to know just one more thing. Or you think, just because I'm thinking about this goal it means that I'm working on it. That's not true. The action that you have to take that's most uncomfortable, that really throws you into the goal itself, those are the ones that you can consider massive action. That actually will push you beyond your comfort zone. 
And the thought that will rob you of your goal being met, the thought that will rob you of your results is the thought, I don't know what to do. Because whenever you think, I don't know, it throws you into passive action. Okay? So if you're thinking, I don't know what's wrong. I've been eating right. I've been exercising for six weeks. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know that will immediately throw you into passive action because when we don't know, we start researching and discovering. That's not going to be effective. When I say, oh, sales for this such product in my business, in the skill category, sales aren't, aren't happening the way I thought. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know. As soon as I say, I don't know, it throws me into passive action because suddenly I'm watching more tutorials on YouTube. I'm listening to more podcasts. I'm calling that working on my business when it's actually not working on my business. It's not the massive action of, of telling more people about the products that I offer and the opportunities that I offer. Do you see the difference? So what can you say instead of, I don't know, because there are plenty of people who are so stuck in I don't know land that if they can't think of another thing to say. When you, when you don't know, then you have to ask yourself in the future to help you make the list of actions that you'll have to take to reach those five goals. This is what I mean. If I ask you right now to write a letter to your past self, like, I would love to write in a letter to 10-year-old Nika and tell her a few things that I wish she had known. I would like to write a letter to 25-year-old Nika and tell her a few things that I wish she had known. Like, hey, listen, by the time you get to this, let me tell you, this is not going to matter. Stop worrying so much about that because in a couple of years, you're not going to care about that anymore. Trust me. Focus on this, because by the time you're 46, you're going to wish you had focused on this. <laughs> you, could, you and I could easily write letters to our past selves and tell them what they need to do. Don't, don't you think, hey, you know what? Don't even mess around with that friendship. That's not going to lead anywhere good. Why don't you focus on this friend over here? Or, hey, you know, don't worry about this job. They let you go. You're fired. I promise it's not going to hurt. In a, few, in a few months, you're not even going to care because you're going to be on to a different path. There's so many lessons that we could go back and teach our younger selves. Even last year, wouldn't you be able to write, wouldn't you be able to write a letter to yourself from November 2019? Here we are in November 2020. If I had the exercise of, hey, write a letter to yourself in November 2019. <laughs> tell that tell that self what they need to know about what's coming up next. You'd be able to write that letter. You'd be like, oh, give me, give me 30 minutes. I got something to say. I'm going to tell them what they need to do to prepare for what's coming. That is because we are our own mentor in a lot of senses that we do not, we, the, the mentor that we don't access. This is only possible, I believe, only possible because the eternal God, God is eternal and his Holy Spirit, he, he, the Holy Spirit is living in us. That's the only reason that this can work, that we 
can, in a sense, be aware of ourselves at different ages at different times. So studies show, I specifically got this from a book called The Marshmallow Test, which has meant a tremendous amount to me this year. Fantastic book. But it talks about people who can very closely relate to their, the idea of their future self. Those people can accomplish more in life. They have more willpower. They have more determination. They, have, they reach more goals more often because they can, they can picture their future self. Can you picture your future self? Can you picture yourself a year from now? Can you picture yourself three years from now? If you can clearly see your future self, and if you can get that into, I want to be doing this two years from now. I, I can envision it in my mind what I want to be doing two years from now. I, like I would really love to take my nieces and nephew to Disneyland. I would love that. I can picture, they've never been, I could picture taking them. If I sat down and I said, I, it's, two years from now, I want to take them to Disneyland. I want us all to go as a family. If I really focus on that and really concentrate, I can imagine myself there. I can picture it. That's a good practice because in, that enables you to more closely figure out how to get there. That's what the marshmallow test and all that research shows is the closer you are to being able to envision your future self, the closer you are to getting to your future self. But instead, what we do is we look backward. Do not consult with your past self about this. Don't consult with your past self. All he or she knows is what doesn't work. So when we get down to writing our goals, what do we do? We turn around, we ask our past selves. I don't know why we discuss it with our past selves, but this is what our past selves always say. And I'm not meaning this in any kind of woo-woo way. I'm saying our memories tell us, hey, you know, that's probably not going to work. You've never done this before. Why would you think you could do it now? The comments that I saw at the beginning of this teaching tells me there's a lot of old voices in your head talking. Hey, you never meet your goals, so don't try it. That's your past self saying you never met any goals. Your past has absolutely nothing to do with your future. Nothing. Nothing. But we think our past has something to do with our future. It doesn't really. You can change right now anything you want to. You can decide if, you know, there, anything in your home. If you say, well, the, the counter was messy this morning. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be messy in the future too. It's going to be messy tomorrow morning. That's not true. We know with a messy counter that it all depends on what we do. If we interject ourselves in the situation, we can change the future. So the counter tomorrow can be spotless and it can smell like a uh, fresh cleaner <laughs> tomorrow or this afternoon if we decide to do something different. The fact that the, pa the counter was messy in the past has absolutely nothing to do with the future. If your friend called and said, hey, I'm dropping by, you could find a way to clean that counter fast. If that friend said, hey, I'm dropping by in the next 10 minutes, you would skedaddle on that counter and you'd change the situation. 
The fact that the counter has ever been messy in the past has nothing to do with its future any more than you not meeting goals in the past has anything to do with your future. All you did was find out what you what you're not going to do again or you're not going to do it that exact way. So your past self is like, Mm-mm, this this doesn't work. This doesn't work. This doesn't work. That's all they know. That's all your mind knows is what doesn't work. Your mind doesn't know yet what does work. So you have to consult your future self. So that person that I'm envisioning in my mind so clearly, we know how to daydream. God has beautifully equipped us with daydreaming skills. Put a kid in math class in junior high and they know how to consult with their future self. That kid in junior high algebra knows how to consult with his future self because he's thinking, what am I going to do after this? As soon as the bell rings, I'm getting my skateboard. I'm going to run by 7-Eleven and get, get a Mountain Dew. I mean, we lose the ability somewhere in our 30s. But before that, especially those who are in school, anyone in a school desk knows how to consult with their future self. You can do this too. You can say, let me envision where I'm going to be in two years, where I'm going to be in one year. And you ask yourself, okay, so I'm picturing myself, I'm picturing myself on the teacups ride at, is that a Disneyland only? Or is that also Disney World? Okay, let me say I'm at Epcot, walking through the little Paris uh, shop. And I'm picturing myself there showing my niece and we're I'm, next we're going to the London shop. I'm telling her, and then I'm going to ask myself, I can so clearly see myself taking my niece to the London shop at Epcot. And I'm going to ask myself, how did you get there? Nika, how did you do it? See, because all of us would love to have a mentor. And we're like, if only I could have a mentor, if only I could find somebody who would teach me what I don't know. Mentors are essential. I have spent this year, I've invested in making myself available as a mentor to anyone who wants to learn because I have felt the need for a mentor myself. And I'm like, then I'm going to make myself available as a mentor for people, whether they want to learn about writing or they want to learn to uh, reach goals and grow spiritually and grow in the areas that matter most. I want to make myself available as a mentor. But here's one of the things I'm telling you as a mentor. You, by the power of the Holy Spirit within you, are kind of like your own mentor in, in a pinch. You ask yourself, what did you do to get there? So when I ask myself, what did I do to get to Disneyland? I know that, that there are ways that I can save. And then I would answer myself, hey, you know how I did it? I saved $250 a month. And this is specifically what I gave up to do that. And I think, and I think, okay, okay. So because your future self knows you and your patterns. If you consult YouTube tutorials and books that you've bought at Barnes & Noble on this or that, they don't know you and your specific patterns, but you do. So when I say, how did I save enough money to get there? I know exactly what I had to give up in order to save that money. And I know what was the hardest to give up and where the obstacles were. You will know that about yourself too. Proverbs 21.5 says, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. So the thing is, 
we we tend to underestimate where we could be in three years. We overestimate where we could be in one year. Let me say it again. We tend to over, underestimate where we could be in three years, but we overestimate where we could be in one year. So if you, it's because it's so easy to talk about losing weight. I'm going to do that again and say, if you said, I want to lose 45 pounds this year. Well, then if you get to December and you've only lost 15, are you going to be mad? I think you probably overestimated what you could do in one year, possibly, but you underestimated what you could do in three. If you lost 45 pounds in three years instead of one, would you be mad about it? Consult with your future self. That three year from now self who's 45 pounds slimmer is feeling great. And guess what she's not saying? You shouldn't have done this. She's not saying that. She's saying, hey, thanks for doing this. I'm loving it. All my clothes fit. I'm feeling great. Took us three years, baby. Worth every minute. And guess what? I loved being 15 pounds lighter at the end of the first year. So go for it. No regrets. Look, careful planning puts, puts you ahead in the long run. Setting goals is this careful planning part. We're talking about the long run. But if you're like, I need this done fast. I need this done fast. I need to get to Disneyland. Not in two years. I need to get to Disney World by December. Okay, well, the hurry and scurry puts you further behind because you end up giving up the wrong things in the wrong places to try to meet that goal. Just think, just slow down and say, yeah, I want to get here. If it takes me a little longer than a year, 365 days is arbitrary anyway. Who said you have to meet a goal in one, one period of 52 weeks? Nobody said that has to happen. But it is a good framework to get moving on your goal. I keep coming back to this verse because it's so good. Do not be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You will meet your goals if you keep sowing into the Spirit what the Spirit asks you to sow. I believe I am going to speak Spanish one day. I believe that that is accessible to me. I'm going to ask my future self, how'd you do it, Nika? And I'm going to little by little plant seeds and tend the seeds and take out the weeds and keep working on it and do not give up because eventually I will reap that harvest. And that harvest is going to be a sweet one because like I said, that particular goal has been on the list a long time. So what would your future self tell you to do right now? The Holy Spirit is, is advising you, setting your self-discipline for you. If you ask him to, if you ask him, if you don't make random goals just that you think you want, but you say, Holy Spirit, what's best for me? Guide me along the way. Let's do it. Well, you just say, what? Where are we going? 
with the Lord. Where are we going? There are going to be plenty of things along the way that you can't anticipate. But I believe you can still plan as if the destination is good because it is. So remember, please remember, Friday, January 8th is the Keep Going Workshop. That's my day that I am setting aside to, to help you set goals. If you're like, I've enjoyed this series of five lessons that you've been doing the last five weeks. I've enjoyed that, but I still feel kind of lost on my own. Look, I'm here to help you. I'm going to guide you through goal setting if you join me on that day. You can join me virtually in the comfort of your own home. You can just get a ticket to watch on your screen and you can join me live on January 8th or anytime because you're going to have 90 days of access. So if you want to schedule your personal day to set goals a week after the actual workshop, you do that. We're going to send you a PDF of a workbook, some printables that you can have your own workshop day of dedicating your year to the Lord all in the safety of your home. And if you're feeling like you want to come be with me in person, now this is a picture from last year, so it won't look like this. We've rented a ballroom in Dallas that seats 325, but we're only allowing 50 ticket holders, which means there's going to be plenty of space. And so if you want to come and sit at a table by yourself or with just a few others, you can right ahead. I am going to guide you through. We're going to have live worship. Everything that people are seeing virtual, virtually, you'll be there live. But when their screens go to take a morning break or have a group activity and they refer to the printed activities we send, I'll be facilitating group activities there at the workshop live. The, every single person who came last year has told me that it was a precious time. We, we had the best time of seeking God and having our spirits renewed. Can you pick, ask your future self if you went to this conference with me in January? I'm serious. Ask your future self, should I, did we go to the Keep Going Workshop January 2021? Because if you feel like the Lord is telling you yes, please do not hesitate. It's an investment in yourself that will reap a harvest. There's no one who was disappointed last year who came. No one thought, eh, yeah, that was kind of like any other conference I've ever been to. No one said that. Everyone said this was unlike any other conference and workshop that I've been to. So I'm promising you, if you come, I'm going to give you my very best. And you're going to walk away saying, wow, that was the best thing I could have given myself to, to reboot, refresh, and start the year 2021 off right. And then there's a third way to participate. You can get your virtual ticket and have all printables sent to you via email. You can come live with us in Dallas, or we will send you this box. This is the new thing this year that I'm so excited. We have taken everything that the in-person workshop attendees receive. That's five workbooks, five gifts for every... We have these gift stops throughout the day where we give you a memento to help you move forward and remember what we've taught in the, in the lessons. We're giving you a kit of five of everything, and we're packing this for you to host an in-home workshop with four friends or family members. I'm picturing that this is perfect for like 
sisters or cousins, mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, to every for women to reconnect. But the thing is, men can do this too. You can do this with your family. If you're like, I want our whole family to reboot and write goals. Well, that's what I grew up doing. That's what started this whole thing was I grew up making goals with my family. And if you're like, there are four friends of mine that I just think would enjoy this. Here's the deal. You can split the cost five ways because there's five of everything in the box. Or you can decide this is my gift to them. And I'm going to get the box and sponsor it for my four friends and the five of us will do this together. So whether you split the cost five ways or whether you give it to them as a gift, it's an it's an opportunity that is you're going to make memories and grow closer. You're going to have an instant accountability group for your goals. Because you don't walk away from that and forget what you've shared with others. The chances that all of you are going to move closer to what you want to do with your life, is it's highly likely because you've chosen to share your goals in a community and to learn together. So those are the three ways that you can participate. We have five speakers. I'm one of them. In a, day, in a morning worship session, we have a, Honey Holden is speaking on home. We have Jessica Hoddle speaking on health. We have me speaking on finance. Colleen Blake Miller speaking on relationships and Shay Bynes speaking on skill and career. Listen, if you have never heard of these people, I promise you, you will love them. I'm only bringing you the kind of people that I listen to myself. These are the people that have guided me and been like online mentors to me along the way. And I know they're going to bless you. Again, it's Friday, January 8th. 2021. It's from eight to five, but you have nine, 90 days of virtual access. So even if you can't meet with us on January 8th, you can do it later. Please consider joining us. Go to nikamaples.com and click on events to find out more. This is going to be amazing. And if you enjoyed any part of this series that I've been doing, please share it with a friend. Please say, Hey, this one, you're going to like this lesson. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. Until then, keep going. Wisdom in the secret heart. Wisdom in the secret heart.